0: Okay, fantastic. Hi.
1: Hi.
0: Um, how are you? And well, we already said this, but I have to pretend like we just started talking because we just recorded so every time. But um, so, so again, thank you so much for um, talking to us today. And do, do you mind actually um, I know most of the people that are watching this probably already know you and that's why they qu- clicked on this right away as soon as they saw you uh, in the title. But do you mind, um, do you mind like telling people who you are? Sure. I'm
1: um, Coleman Hughes. I'm a writer, uh, originally from New Jersey, but based in New York. I am a fellow at the Manhattan Institute, and I am a contributing editor at City Journal, and I Mm -hmm. have my own podcast called Conversations with Coleman.
0: Right, and I will link to that in the description, so check it out. It's amazing, and I can't, like, uh, you're getting such amazing. How did the the hell did you get Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson on your podcast? That was amazing, and that was, like, episode number nine,
1: right just uh i we had a connection through through one person that knows right. him very well so right i got and lucky had,
0: and you had sam harris on episode one
1: yes yes wow like
0: this is and you're it's becoming very popular very fast like you're growing uh your podcast is growing there's um and there's a huge demand for what you have to say like this is um i I, when I listen to your podcast, I feel like I'm listening to a younger version of Sam Harris. Um, a better version of Sam Harris, if I
1: may say. Wow. A big compliment. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, um, one thing, one reason why you're becoming very popular is because um, your commentary on racism and police violence in the United States, and that's not the to- topic that you were originally wanted to focus on right uh, it seems, but but because there's a lot of demand for your commentary on it it seems like you are now accepting the the fact that this is something you need to do but originally i remember you saying that you you had passion in other topics you're a philo- you're a philosophy student and
1: yeah i i got into the world of ideas by reading books about philosophy and uh pop science and when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, and pursued a philosophy degree, um, because of my interest in those topics, uh, but I, you know, I think partly because I happen to be black and, you know, am existing in a very progressive place, not only where I grew up, but where I went to college, I just felt I was perpetually, uh assaulted by ideas about what my life was supposed to be like as a black man that had no basis in reality or at minimum were huge exaggerations of of what was the case. So I feel that the topic of race came for me more than I came for it. And Mm. just in trying to make sense of what was being said in my immediate environment every day by my friends and by college administrators and whatnot, I became curious about you know, why are people suddenly so panicked about racism?
0: Mm.
1: Um, so that that's how I got into talking about racism. And, and as you say, there's a big demand for it now because there's a huge taboo on anyone questioning the emerging consensus on the progressive left, especially in the past two months.
0: And you've been questioning a lot. and um, And I, I want to see if I could, play a little bit of a devil's advocate of some of your views, if you don't mind, right? Um, so in the recent article, I forgot where this was posted, uh, which, uh, where did you publish that, the one that everybody's uh, sharing? Probably it's- City Journal. Yes, that one. Um, you mentioned, let me see what, I have it here. Okay, so you mentioned, on the other hand, the basic premise of Black Lives Matter that racist, racist cops are killing unarmed black people is false. You also mentioned none of these studies has found a racial bias in deadly shootings. The core premise of the uh, of the movement is false. Do um, you still stand by that? Yes. All right. So what if what if I say that that is unf- an unfair way of looking at all the data? Um, because even though you also acknowledge that. For example, if you look at the non-lethal um, violence by cops, there is a bias against black people, like the data shows that, right? But, but if you look at, if you look at the non-lethal violence against uh, black people, if you look at uh, the number of ar- arrests, uh, there even after you adjust for the crime rate, there seems to be a bias. If you look at the sentencing of black people. Even after you uh, adjust for crime race, there seems to be a bias. If you look at the amount, uh, the severity of the sentencing as well, there seems to be a bias. There seems to be basically there seems to be a bias uh, almost if you look at every metric uh, when it comes to the justice system in the United States. There seems to be a bias against black people, and there's only this one. T- area, tiny area, among all the li- different things that we look at, which is the shooting uh, of black people, that, that's the only one that there is no, that there is no bias. And it seems like the people that want to uh, counter the whole Black Lives uh, Matter narrative, they're just jumping on that one I- data, and they're like, they're just focusing on the one area that there is no bias. And obviously, if you look at all the data, you're going to find one area that there's no bias. So why focus on that?
1: Okay, so a few things. One, um, It's worth issuing a caveat about all of this data that is retroactive. Really, the, the, the solid the best and most solid way to find a bias is to, you know, do an experiment uh, like they did uh, in the housing market on Long Island, where you send two identical people, uh, one is black, one is white, and you show how they're treated differently, or you send an email with a black-sounding name. Mm. And a, a lot of these studies find biases against blacks and Asians and Hispanics. Um, usually it's they find the most against blacks, but not always. Mm. Uh, when you're looking at broad things in the criminal justice system, you're looking at a huge data set trying to post-hoc control for variables and seeing that when you control for all the variables you think to control, um, a black person is 15% more likely to get sentenced for 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 the same crime. Mm. That's not a perfect study. To call that 15% bias is, is a little imprecise because we don't always know where that comes from. So, for example, a lot of the uh, studies on deadly shootings actually find that there's an there's an anti-white bias. Um, I, I don't. It's not necessarily fair to conclude that. What is happening there is the cops have a racist bias against white people. Often, the you know the the you know we we should caution against being able to find a kind of precision in these post hoc studies that they can't actually ever attain. So that's just one caveat before I get to to my other point. Um, my main point about yes, you're right that th- these studies when they control for all the variables tend to find black people are uh, a little more likely to get sentenced for the same crime a little more likely to um, um, uh, do a longer prison term for the same crime et cetera. uh and again that could totally be due to racial bias uh, it could be due to immeasurable variables variables that matter but cannot be put into a data set which is a huge portion of reality um, but there are two ways of looking at it. There, there you can look at it and ask the question, hold, when you hold all the variables the same, how much worse do black people get it in the in the criminal justice system? Or you can look at it from the opposite way. You can look at the total disparity in uh, incarceration, you know, the fact that black people are something like seven times more likely to to be in prison. Uh, than, than a, a white person. And you can say, what percentage of that disparity is due to the, the facts of racially disparate crime and what percentage is due to racial bias? Which is to say, if you waved a magic wand and got rid of everything that could plausibly be bias in the data, how much of that gap would remain? And I'm, a, I'm aware of at least one study f- f- um, from this guy, Adana Uzmani, which tried to do, do that and found you know, over 90% of the the gap remains when you uh, when you get rid of what could plausibly be bias. But the reason that's important is because if you look at it from the other way, you can get um, a much more exaggerated picture of how much racism there is. So if, if I say black people get sentenced 20% longer for the same crime um, in a particular state, that could be true. But at the same time, it could be true that the total black-white incarceration disparity is over 90% due to the fact that black people are more likely to cr- commit crime in the first place.
0: So even based on that study, you're, you're mentioning that uh, even after you adjust for the crime rate, there's still a 10% bias. So th- even based on that shows that there's still bias for, against black people even after you adjust for the crime rate.
1: Again, would you – but this goes back to my first caveat – What's your answer to that? So like the, 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 the Roland Fryer study, using the same techniques that find bias against black people in sentencing, found mm. bias against white people in deadly shootings. Yeah, Th- That well, doesn't necessarily mean, okay, when we say it finds bias, we have to be very careful about what we're talking about. A study doesn't find bias. It controls for measurable, measurable variables
0: mm. and
1: gives you a number uh, that the variables don't account for a particular amount of variance. It's, it's too easy to say that human systems are too complex and there are too many things that you can't measure. You can't measure how someone is behaving in a courtroom. You can't measure how someone is b- behaving towards a cop with perfection. You can, you can only approximate these things. So to say that any, any, any disc- discrepancy after you control for variables is necessarily bias, I think is, um, should not necessarily be assumed.
0: Well this is why we call it systemic racism rather than explicit racism because its the claim is not that the the individuals within the system are being intentionally racist towards these people right this is a the, the outcome ends up being racist so you're not accusing the people the cops or the judges or whoever is in the system of actually intentionally but, but given that the result is that after adjusting for everything that should determine what how much these people get punished. You're still getting extra punishment. The outcome is racist, anyways, even if the individuals within the system are not intentionally trying to do so. Hence, we have the term systemic racism.
1: So, I think that's oversimplified. So, you're saying the no one. It, it, this is the problem with the idea of systemic racism. It, is it comes from a book written in 1967. Ah, uh, by uh, Stokely Carmichael and Charles Hamilton, and they called it institutional racism back then, mm. and they differentiated from in individual racism. And the examples they gave had nothing to do with no one in the system being racist. The examples they gave were a race, you know, like a racially biased loan shark that you know doesn't give loans or gives predatory loans only to black people. Um, A real estate agent that steers a black person to a neighborhood where they wouldn't have done the same to a Mm. white person. Those were the examples of systemic racism uh, that they gave when they coined the term. And all they meant by it was a kind of subtle racial bias that individuals have uh, that is is less than violent but still contributes to bad outcomes. So if you're asking if that kind of racism exists, I think, Mm. yeah, I, I think, yes, it does.
0: But okay, so systemic racism has many different definitions to a lot of different people. But this is the new definition that seems to make better sense. It seems like they 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 talk. There's they identify three types of racism: explicit racism, implicit racism, and racism by outcome. Um, and I think when they uh, that. The systemic racism is a mix of implicit racism and racism by outcome, which and these two doesn't require individuals to actually be intentionally racist. So it's not yeah. an accusation of the against the. I mean, the studies actually show, like for example, judges, even black judges, seem to be giving harsher sentences uh, to uh, darker-skinned people than lighter-skinned people. Even black, even a harsher sentencing to dark, uh, e- even if they're black. Yeah, go
1: on. I, I've seen one study at Cornell that found the opposite I, I just I don't want I'm not saying that study rules all I'm just saying mm. you know the, the literature on all this stuff is very 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 deep and but but I, I hear what you're saying what you're saying is something can be a racist outcome and I want to pin you down on what you mean by that do you mean a racial disparity do you mean if black people are 14% of the population and more than 14% of those in prison that that's a racist outcome.
0: No, 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 because that doesn't take adjust for the crime rate, which is and many other factors, which is it, should, right? I, obviously,
1: right. So yeah, if no, black no. people commit 52% of the murders, which is the, the number from last year. What right. do you think is the proper, the, the correct amount, the number of, of black people that should be in prison percentage wise? Well, well the I don't... percentage is about 33%.
0: Right, the thing is that it's it's hard for us to just sit here and figure, that's why we look at studies instead of like guessing what the right number should be because these studies control for the variable, different variables a lot better than we could do just by like thinking about it like sitting here, right? Um, But my understanding is that those studies do like obviously just controlling for the crime rate is something that the researchers they they control for many variables even variables that I can't think of and I like when I when I read the studies like oh my god I didn't know that's a variable that should have been controlled for for so obviously crime rate which is the most important variable will be taken into account when they are looking for biases right yes right so I mean obviously yeah obviously like it, I I'm not, it's not as simple as like oh what's the, what percentage of the population you are oh this is racist because it's more than that like obviously it's not that that's it's not that simple but you you seem to um, no you, I mean some some people might say you seem to be more willing to accept the study that okay so when it comes to shooting we know that there is no study that shows any bias um, even after we just w- once if we, if adjud- we want to be
1: precise actually that's not true M- most of the yeah. studies for deadly shooting show a sure. bias against whites
0: yeah that's what i we meant want to be like
1: very precise yeah what and, i and meant again, what- when i say shows a bias i don't i'm saying that in scare quotes because i, I i'm not that's- persuaded that that actually signals a bias on the part of the cops
0: right that's what i meant
1: it could that's what but it also might not
0: that's what i meant i meant there's no bias against black people, right? So but why is it that we're w- more willing to accept that um, than all the other studies in every other area that shows bias against black people? Do you know what I mean? Like this is the only area. So if we're willing to accept that there seems to be a bias against white people when it comes to shootings, then we should accept that there seems to be a bias against black people when it comes to ev- every
1: sing- everything else, everything else. No. Okay, so I, yeah. two yeah. things. One, I'm I'm being perfectly consistent in right. not not necessarily saying it's a bias in either case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth it's worth asking. Okay, so so first of all, it's not everything else. Um, there are lots of studies that don't get paid attention to. That have found biases in other directions. So, for example, I'll give you I'll give you one that was done by this Cornell psychologist, David Pizarro, who gave um, he gave people identical applications for a college student, and gave one a black-sounding name like Tyrone, I, I believe it was Tyrone, and gave one a white-sounding name like Chip Ellsworth III, I think it was, and consistently found that people were either neutral or they chose the black candidate. And did a very clever experimental design uh, to figure out whether they were aware of, of the fact that they, had, they were choosing this, right? Uh, and what, they weren't if m- much of the time. What study is this? D- it was done by Dave, David Pizarro at Cornell. By the way, that Fry
0: study that you mentioned was not peer-reviewed, right? Uh, which one? The Fry study that you mentioned when it comes to the police. Um,
1: the original one from 2015 I have to imagine was peer-reviewed. It, it, I mean,
0: you you linked four but studies. The, four, the three other ones were better than the Fry study because the, that one was the only one that was not peer-reviewed. But but it doesn't matter because there are better studies in regards to the shooting that shows the same thing. Anyways, I do want to move to the next thing. I, I can talk to, to you about this, but I know your time is limited. So I do want to mention uh, that you said in the article um, that taking up arms directly against those enslaving you is one thing, looting um, clothing stores or destroying grocery stores is uh, something else entirely. Um, with response to that, I do want to mention that BLM itself does not um, support the looting they they've been consistently mentioning that they want I, peaceful. I didn't protests. say they
1: did. I didn't say okay. they did.
0: But this was like in an article talking about whether your position about BLM. So th- no. that does it, No,
1: no, okay. no, no. I, I yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I've attended several Black Lives Matter protests. Okay. Um, read the end of that paragraph.
0: Oh, I have this sorry, I have this in Google Docs. I don't have the article in front of okay, me. Okay, so if you right.
1: read the end of that paragraph, I say explicitly the protests and the riots are separate phenomena and have to mm-hmm. be addressed separately. They're not they're not even the same groups of people.
0: Right. Yeah, okay. So. But but given that we have like given that we have so much peaceful protest, don't we expect like there's always going to be some
1: No, bad... there wasn't in, there wasn't in the early 60s. I remember when when Bayard Rustin um, organized the March on Washington, the famous one in 1963, Mm -hmm. at the very end of the march after Martin Luther King gave the famous speech, he went to A. Philip Randolph, who was the leader of the March on Washington movement, and he said the proudest thing in his life was when he got to tell A. Philip Randolph there was not a single crime in Washington, D.C. today Mm -hmm. by our protesters.
0: Well, wasn't like even MLK dealing with people that thinking that you know violence was the way, and he had to fight against that. Like, wasn't that even a problem back then that they some of these civil rights activists had to like at least?
1: Yeah, fight- they had to proactively, proactively um, maintain uh, commitment to peace.
0: So, because yeah, because they were getting pushback from the community. So even then, that was an issue. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it was an issue, but there was utter moral clarity about the issue no one was tempted to apologize when there was rioting okay um such as you know the 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 context i I was writing that in was a context where it's just trivially easy to find someone in the media with a big platform Hmm. uh saying nothing bad about the riots or the rioters or even sometimes supporting i was reacting to
0: yeah okay that makes sense uh but with regards to general protesters uh the peaceful ones there seems to be this uh, i mean you could correct me if i'm wrong but we it seems to be the criticism seems to be that they are they are not well informed about the severity of the problem or um this this seems to be um pushing for solutions that don't necessarily work is that is that a fair okay so but so, but with regards to that, um, m- one comeback could be um, that if you look at, if you look through history, I think I agree that protesting is a healthy thing, uh, the, the, you know, holding your government accountable um, through protests, through, uh, through um, you know, like in general, a, a, a society that the protests often is a healthy society, um, and a lot has been achieved through, you know, a lot of progress has been made through peaceful protesting. You agree with that, right?
1: Um, I agree with the last thing you said. I do think a lot of progress has happened through peaceful protesting. Mm. I, I wouldn't measure the health of a society by the frequency of its protests. Um, I would measure I would measure the health of a society by its protests being aligned with reality and aligned with just causes. If it was if it was lots of Nazis protesting, I'd say it's a very unhealthy society. For example, um if it was protesters pushing for some some solution that doesn't make any sense given the problem they're claiming to care about, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the mark of a healthy society either. I would judge it on a case by okay. case basis.
0: Okay, so let's focus on the part that you mentioned that we agree that um, the, a lot of progress has been made through people protesting. Um, and there's a lot of tons of examples of that through history. But if you go look at those examples, um, it doesn't you wouldn't find that the average protester went protesting after they looked at peer-reviewed academic research or analyzed the data, or they were very well informed about the nuances of the problems that they're dealing with, they didn't do that. The average protesters were, it seems to be, never as well informed as what we seem to be demanding right now of BLM protesters and given given that they weren't that well informed and they still did protest and they still achieved a lot. Uh, a lot through that protest isn't are we high are we trying to hold the protesters today to a much level higher standard than it's what's expected what what we would have uh, expected from all the other protests that have achieved a lot through history
1: I, I agree the typical protester doesn't know much that's that's not what my criticism was mm. um, my criticism is that the informed protesters and the leadership of the movement both have a uh, a picture of the problem that's fundamentally not aligned with reality. I think most of them couldn't tell you how many unarmed black people were killed last year, um, if you ask them to guess. Um, even the more informed protesters, um, they certainly couldn't name any of the, the white unarmed Americans who died mm-hmm. um, and would almost certainly guess that that number... Uh, they would have a picture of the relationship between those two numbers that's fundamentally unaligned with reality. And the the movement itself, even if it, in its most informed version, calls for defunding the police, which is a solution that has very little to do with actually solving the problem of police brutality and police accountability, which are real problems. Right. Okay. Um, so in that sense, it's fundamentally unlike something like the civil rights movement, where, where mm-hmm. you know the the goal was let us vote, let us vote. Right. Um, so at
0: least you, the leadership, you seem like, was pushing for the right solutions at that time. That's what you're saying. Sure.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: Um, so, but okay, but so you think? Do you think like they're overreacting, or, or are they just going in the ro- completely wrong direction? Is which one is it? Like, or is it both?
1: Um, that's a good question. So on defunding the police, I think they might even be going in the in the wrong direction. Uh, the solutions to police uh, brutality and to lack of accountability, the fact that cops routinely go unpunished when they do do bad things, um, part of that solution might be, for example, more training, uh, which would seem to require more money. There are some profession- professions that are laughably trivial, like I think Neil deGrasse Tyson mentioned bakery and how long it takes to become you know, licensed in certain professions, and often it's longer than a cop so that could require more money Um, you know uh, uh, there are certain police departments that are very overworked you have I read one article about uh, police in Brookline Massachusetts working 80 hour weeks Um, and that you know a tired cop is bound to make more mistakes than uh, a well-rested cop so hiring more cops you know might also require more money Uh, in general like if the public schools were broken the first thought in your head wouldn't be let's defund teachers. Um, hmm. Often, improving something s- can require spending more money. So, in that sense, it, it might be in the wrong direction. And in other other ways, it is an overreaction rather than going in the wrong direction.
0: Do you think that it's a good idea to demilitarize the police? Uh,
1: I yeah, I see no I see no compelling argument for militarizing the police. It seems hmm. like. Uh, the, the a lot of police departments in America already are demilitarized and I'm I haven't noticed anyone saying there's a huge problem here we need you know we're unable to do our jobs without military grade mm. equipment so yeah I I I think that's all to the good I don't think it will make a huge difference on the issues people seem to care about most you know like all of the examples high profile examples of Americans killed by cops there there was never military weaponry involved in the reason that they died or were killed so and,
0: and do you think that it's a good idea to uh, to like there's a lot of stuff that the police is doing that it shouldn't be done by police it should be done by other people that are trained for those specific things do you agree with that
1: yeah i think i think i do it, it that comes down to a case by case basis i do think um the police are called for everything from something that might require a social worker or a counselor to, uh, you know, doing what we think of as their main job, which is catching and preventing crimes. Most of their work isn't catching and preventing crimes. It's like, you know, being a social worker or someone for a a, a, a woman who's in an abusive relationship to talk to, and a, a lot there's a, a whole set of skills that, aren't related to crime fighting that a police officer has to have in order to really do his or her job well. And I think it it could make sense to outsource some of those uh, to other kinds of people. So
0: maybe it makes sense to defund um, those areas, defund the uh, militarization part, and defund the areas where the police does, is, you know, other people could do better, and then maybe funding areas that when it comes to training, we need to fund the police, um, and when it comes to hiring more comps. So it may be like, it might be both defunding and funding, depending on the you know, police at the same time.
1: In other words, reform—that's reform. what we call normal reform—is <laughs> right. like what's going to work and allocate money towards it. And right. people are in the defund movement are very focused on the total dollar amount that a city right. gets. In, in New York, they were getting $6 billion, and they said, we want it to be $3 billion. Right. I don't care what the number is. I care that there are reforms that work. The number at the end of the day is going to be what it is. Right. Um,
0: okay, so you mentioned in your article that for every black person killed by the police, there is at least one white person, usually many, killed in a similar way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think um, anti-white racism is a thing?
1: Yes, is it common? What do you mean by common?
0: Like, is it like widespread? Like, this is a, a huge problem, in the United States, that we need to adjust, fight back against.
1: I don't. I don't even know how to go about putting a, a size label on how big a problem it is. Is um, it? You know, I've heard people make anti-white comments, um, and, and everywhere from just like offhanded and jest to like truly, sincerely hate, hateful. Um, I obviously have heard very little few of those comments about black people, because if I'm in the room, almost by definition, a, a black anti black racist isn't going to say that um, unless they want to call you the N word to your face. But yeah, I've heard a, a lot of anti white racism. I, I wouldn't I don't want to be hyperbolic. It's a thing. I think there's there's racism against every race. And I, I don't know how to go about measuring it. You know, black people have obviously gotten the brunt of the racism through the racism that has really mattered throughout American history. Um, so I don't want to draw an equivalence and say uh, there's the same amount. Of, of course there's not the same amount. Um, and it depends what kind of racism you're talking about. It, you know, I sure. want to define my terms. It's one thing, you know, or to cross the street when you see a black guy, and you know, it's another. There, there are different kinds of racism, is is what I'm saying. You know, anti-Semitism takes a very different flavor. Mm. People don't cross the street when they when they um, see a Jew who are anti-Semitic. They just go crazy, believing that Jews run the world. So there are different flavors of racism mm. that are incomparable to one another. But you know, I think all kinds of racism exist.
0: So, okay, so if we not, if we forget the, just for, for the sake of this, like, if we put the history aside and just look at today, uh, the state of, you know, what the United States is uh, like today, do you do you think that anti-white racism is a, ve- is a very minor issue compared to anti-black racism?
1: Um, I guess there's two ways to judge the... The, how worried you should be about the issue. So just in terms of how much racism exists, there's more racism against black people, I think, no doubt.
0: Hmm.
1: And so that justifies a heightened level of concern for anti-black hmm. racism versus anti-white racism. On the other hand, people, you know, all virtually all of the mainstream important American institutions are crystal clear about the immorality and um you know the e- the the evil of anti-black racism mm. so our antibodies as a culture against racism are against anti-black racism are much much stronger than they are against anti-white racism people have to realize you know most racism throughout history has not has just felt casual to the people engaging in it it, it hasn't felt like we're doing this heavy thing when people are anti-semitic they they you know it's it's just a it seems like an offhand and you know you make a flippant remark oh yeah, I hate the Jews or I hate I hate the blacks or whatever kind of racism people have mm. you know when when college kids are going around talking about how much they hate straight white men it's not fundamentally different and the fact that it feels like nothing to them, is irrelevant because racism always feels like nothing to the people engaging in it. So, so if we're just judging by the amount that exists, there's more racism against black people. But if we're judging by how, by whether we have moral clarity on the wrongness of a thing, and therefore how bad the problem could get in 50 or hundred years, mm. then we have less moral clarity about anti-white racism because, anyone who complains about it just gets an eye roll uh, an, uh, an eye roll, or the, you know, the world's smallest violin. Um, so we just need to, we, we need to have a kind of anti-racism that just understands as you know, the civil rights leaders of yesteryear did that all kinds of racism are horrible period. Race does not matter. And the people mm. who make it matter are trying to drag us back into the stone age, whether they're doing it, against black people, white people, Asians, Hispanics, Arabs, whoever. Uh, Do you think that
0: um, when you say it shouldn't matter, but people say, how could it not matter given what we had went through? Um, We need to adjust for that, and we can't adjust for that unless we pay attention to what people's races are.
1: What what do you mean adjust for that? Do you mean make up for slavery?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, we, yeah, people say, okay, yeah, well, slavery is over, Jim Crow is over, get over it, like, look forward. And people are like, well, we can't get over it. Generational poverty is a thing, wealth mobility is not like 100%. These problems, even though it's, it's, you know, it's going to continue affecting us till today. And if we want to undo that damage, um we have to pay attention to people's race you can't just ignore that like that's it was done to to us with with our race in um taken into account so the undoing undoing that has to to some extent be about race given that
1: yeah okay question what do you mean by undo and be specific
0: well i, I don't actually I don't know, but whatever the answer is, like uh, whatever the answer to that question is, it, has, it cannot be completely independent from race. I don't know oh, what the answer
1: is. But that, that's, that's so important because, okay, let's just take it. People can't think straight about the American case. Let's undo Genghis Khan's conquest of Asia. Let's undo all the consequences of it. Go. What's, do you have any <laughs> ideas? Um, this is what, what My point, okay. obviously, is that you you all you yeah. can do is what yeah. you can do. All we can do is for, for black people that are alive today. Well, he, all we, if there is a generational poverty problem, which there is in both the black and white community, let's talk about the absolute best and most evidence-backed ways to solve that. But we, we will... We will literally never be able to undo something that started hundreds of years ago. That's not how causation works, and we'll we'll just we will we, we will drive ourselves crazy as a country trying to undo these national traumas. And just thinking in these terms is so poisonous.
0: Hmm. I mean, okay. So to be fair, Changiz Khan was a lot longer, older, and he wasn't discriminating based on race.
1: Okay, so Do you want me to get an example from the 17th and 18th centuries and 19th? Because I can come up with an equally. Pro- Let's undo the French Revolution. Let's undo that, those consequences. Hmm.
0: Was that based on race? Well,
1: um, no. Does it? But does the does it matter in principle? Does it make it easier to undo it if it's right? So uh, no. yeah.
0: Okay. So here's an interesting thing, though. Um, it seems like you you rightfully get frustrated by the fact that people want to undo something that happened a couple of generations ago. But I'm used to people wanting to undo, um, because I I was born in Iran, right? Um, And I am very used to, I I grew up in an environment where racism was the norm, extreme explicit form of racism towards Arabs, right? Um, And this is because of something that happened. Fourteen hundred years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and the grudge over that is something that people didn't haven't gotten over that yet. And people want to adjust for that today mm-hmm. um, for something that happened fourteen hundred years ago, and they want to adjust for that. A lot, of, a lot of them want to adjust for that by committing mass genocide as revenge, right? Um, so I feel like what you're experiencing, in the United States, where people like taking to uh, their history, recent history, into account um and wanting to adjust for that but not in such an extreme measure is a mild version of what other people around the world like this is actually this means this seems frustrating to you but that's this this is progress you know what i mean like this is something that people are like oh this happened 200 years ago rather than Fourteen hundred years ago, and right. it's also and it's also like, hey, they're not saying, hey, let's kill all white people. Like they're not saying that, right? Um, or like they take revenge. They're not. I mean, most of them are not like asking for revenge against white people. So I mean, it Sarah
1: is, Jong did literally, kind of say that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they're you yeah, Take your point. In general, they're not. Yeah, right. if your point is that we're not as bad as Persian hatred of Arabs, then it's well taken. Okay. For, for like the conquest of Muhammad, I'm assuming you're talking about.
0: Well, Muhammad was dead when they, uh, the when the, Muslim, when the Arabs invaded yeah. Iraq. It, it happened during Omar's time, which was his second, Absolutely. yeah. But yeah. yeah that,
1: but, but listen, that, that, is, that is like, that's the, um, the reductio ad absurdum. It's not even absurd because it's real life, of course, where, where you're from. But that's right. the reductio of what this kind of thinking does. You can't undo the great crimes of history. All you can do is work with what you have in the present that's true both in one's personal life and on a civilizational level
0: right but it's 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 less frustrating when you when you come to expect it from people like when you realize that this is the way people think about things you know what i mean
1: okay um, well if that's true then let's just throw up our hands and not persuade no. anyone to think differently ever. Uh, i see what you no. mean but you know
0: i didn't say that we could <laughs> we could try to do better but at the same time we have to realize how human brain is wired so that we don't constantly get frustrated in the process of doing it like you know ironically
1: that's one of the reasons why i am less um, concerned or i am less alarmist about racism mm. I, I also to some extent think that racial bias is or the, or the minds propensity to form racial bias is to some degree eradicable ineradicable Emphasis mm-hmm. on to some degree, because it really can be reduced. It, I think it has been reduced. I think every decade of the past 50 years, we have seen the average American get less racist internally, and that's yeah. all to the good. But I think just like you can't eliminate, you can't f- completely eliminate human emotions like, like jealousy and magical thinking and irrational fears uh, and phobias just like we'll never get to a place where no one has a crazy phobia of like socks just cuz the mind is weird and we're built by evolution out of like weird stuff and i think you can you can never get to a world with zero racism either because we're flawed inherently mm. and so you know i think there's some people who treat racism as if it's something that we could zero out on right And so any, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I just want to point out that I I agree with most of what you say all the time. It might not come across like, and this, because I'm pushing, I'm trying to push against, um, I'm trying to, no, because I, it would be more interesting other than me telling you how awesome you are. I just tried to do that from the beginning, but it would be boring if I did that throughout the podcast, right? Not but, necessarily. I mean... Up to you. <laughs> okay. So um, one thing else I also want to mention is that in, in your podcast with uh, um, Sam Harris, which people should go check out, by the way, um, you mentioned you, it seemed like you were uh, kind of conflicted between two different uh, solutions. Uh, when it comes to uh, the disparities between, you know, race, race, you know, races, when it comes to IQ or anything else you want to measure, right? Uh, you are wondering that whether we should prepare people to look at this data objectively, or and you know, um, or and you're also thinking about. And given that, how how worried we should be that if we don't prepare them for it, there are people with bad intentions that might use that as a way to push their narratives, right? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the alt-right or whatever, white supremacists, whatever like that. But you also mentioned that maybe given how charged all this topic is and how unequipped people, the media and people seem to be about talking about such sensitive topics, maybe Another solution could be that we don't touch this and we just not compare races at all with each other. Like maybe we should just get people in the media to just not talk about this. Uh, And maybe we should not study this because we're not ready. Is that that fair?
1: So here's how I would put it. I would say that we should treat black people and white people like we treat every other ethnic group. No one is really out here studying the wealth gap between Jews and Protestants, even though it's huge. A couple people are, but... Well, but they honest, are. You, That's yeah, how you know it. They are, but it's a little... Well, yeah, but it's a buried study that I found from 2003 because I write about this issue. It's not appearing in a New York Times op-ed. No one is talking about the, you know, the, the Semitic wealth gap. Okay? It's the racial wealth gap, right? Mm. There are all kinds of crazy, crazy disparities we might want to study, and... If you if you do become interested in this, you find there were there were studies that find found big IQ disparities between the Polish and the Italians and the Irish um, back in the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, some of, some disparities as big as exist between black and whites today. Uh, and the question is, what is the value of knowing and promoting and ceaselessly bemoaning all of these facts? Would we live in a better world if we became obsessed with for example, the wealth gap between Asians and whites? I don't know. I'm not sure that we would because, A, the, you know, or the income gap between Asians and whites is huge. Should we focus on that a lot? Let's just talk about it 10 times as much. Does that make us a healthier multiracial society? Or does it make us a society where you're just training people to have grievances against other groups that may be based on nothing or close to nothing?
0: Well, two counters to that. One is that the scientists usually, you know, when you when you go and collect this data, you never know how useful they might end up being. Like, you don't question how, like, you just go and collect data, and they, they may end up becoming very useful information, right? That you, you just go, know, you know, you want to know for the sake of knowing. Um, I mean, just because...
1: You yeah, but, I mean, we might. so by that logic, we could do cranium size studies on race by race, like that might end up being super useful.
0: I mean, this is why we, wh- I mean, the, all the other examples that you mentioned of the things that why don't we have those data, well, we have those data, right? But uh, we could argue, why are we not talking about it as much? That's another point compared to the idea to why, I mean, I think scientists sh- should still collect all this information.
1: So but, uh, no, but let me give you an example of where we really don't have the data, I, or I haven't found it, and maybe someone who hears this podcast will send it to me. Hmm. What is the current incarceration disparity between Americans of Irish descent and Americans of Swedish descent? Because hmm. I you, guarantee you there is one. There is I, one, I would, but, but maybe nobody... We, fi- no, one, yeah. no one cares. Nobody cares.
0: And maybe look, because- look
1: are, are, we, are, we, are we suffering as a society because nobody cares?
0: Well, maybe no. because maybe nobody cares because we haven't assumed that there's any discrimination against any of those groups against the other ones. But if we, but because when it comes to black people, there's we think that there's discrimination. We want to collect the data to be sure that if there is, and if we should adjust for that, you know what I and mean. That That's
1: creates an enormous amount of confirmation bias, in my opinion, because people are looking at the data with a, a presupposition about what they're hoping to find so you're Expecting. like
0: is your solution really oh look don't look better not to better not to know like nope. is that okay
1: it goes back to what i said earlier so as i said the way to find racism is to do audit studies hmm. do what they did in um I, I think it was long island send identical people into a real estate agent people who are almost identical except for race and see if they're treated differently and if so find a way through the legal system to penalize racial discrimination, something we already do but in in the real estate market could probably do a better job of. Mm. Um, So we need guardrails against all this stuff, legal penalties on racial discrimination. uh, But that doesn't require our being confused about what it means for there to be a tenfold disparity in wealth between two groups.
0: Okay, I, I have a lot more questions, but given that we only have a little bit more time, I just want to focus on other things for a change. Um, I want to know that. Um, by the way, this is so like this has been so amazing. So thank you for that. But I want to mention what other areas are you going? Are you interested in? Are you going to move into? Especially as an atheist activist, I'm interested to know if you're going to touch on religion. Um, are are you going to ever talk, especially about Islam? Are those to- given mm. uh, you know are those topics that you ever going to be touching on in your? podcast? I'm very
1: interested in all those topics. I I have been, you know, I've been I've been an atheist ever since I've thought about the issue. Mm. Um, it just seemed obvious to me that. You know, if there are multiple different religions and they're all claiming to be the ultimate truth and the people who adhere to them seem to do similar kinds of things, Mm. then there's no way any of them are true. Um, So, yeah, I I do. It's not my hobby horse, but I, I really do think, you know, that religion and dogmatic belief Causes more harm than good, even mm-hmm. if it serves a spiritual function. And I'm very much um, a Sam Harris person in terms of feeling that there is a kind of spirituality, um, a kind of, you know, almost ritualized practice that most people most of the time need in order to live fulfilled lives. But that has to come without the whole package of bullshit. So right, I'm, I'm very much of that school.
0: Right, so um, it seems that the, when we, when it comes to whether or not these these religions are true or useful, I think that's a you know, simple discussion to have. But what is more complicated, and you could argue more interesting, um, is the way we talk, we deal with religious issues um in united states and other countries uh the way you know the socioeconomic uh, impacts of it uh, you know the way that we the relationship between muslims and other people or christians and other people in a society um you know about how do we address um fighting for their rights while also not promoting their crappy ideas um you know there's a lot more um and the the, the the history and the impacts of their history on, on culture today um, I think there's a lot more interesting and nuanced discussions to be ha- uh, to have about these topics beyond just oh is there a God um, was Jesus real uh, was Muhammad the prophet of God like it's not that it, we, I think we have moved past those topics, and mm-hmm. we're having a lot more interesting. I'm just trying to tempt you to talk about it. That's all. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm I'm happy to talk about it. I'm re- I'm, like, I'm more than happy to. I don't get to talk about it often, but it's very interesting to me. So yeah. I'm more than happy to go wherever you want to go. Okay.
0: Well, not well. Well, okay. I mean, well, not today. But um, you, uh, yeah. Actually, let me actually get you on record saying that you will I can, come. I can again-
1: give you. I can yeah. give you a little more time if you want today.
0: Okay. Great. So. Okay. Fantastic. So. Um yeah so well wow. okay guys. so what are your thoughts on uh, right right now for example the muslim community in the united states and also and also do you think like um, you know the fact that they are playing footsies with uh, the progressive movement and trying to take advantage of uh, uh, uniting with them, even though their ideology is in direct conflict with everything progressive. Uh, but, you know, do you think, like, it seems like a very bizarre marriage between the left and uh, the Muslim community, given that Islam itself is a very, very right wing ideology? Um, and, you know, is that is that, are we going to, are we looking, to a very um, ugly breakup, a divorce at some point. You know what I mean. What are your thoughts? I, on that? F-
1: I feel like the divorce is perpetually happening in small forms all around the country, and in little ways that never make the news. You know, I- I've seen it. Um, you know, I my my girlfriend is Muslim, and I've seen, you know, her struggle with that exact issue. You know, with I, I think it's a it's a story that you know. Millions of people, I'm sure, resonate with. It's not 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 true of my life, but but of hers. Of you know, very conservative, religious parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, many Christian conservative Christians have have a similar background, but it's probably the average Muslim. Probably you know more about this than me, but probably ha- is even more likely to have it. Of just like the the contest between your parents' values, often immigrant, uh, very deeply religious. And the values you encounter in America when you say go to high school or go to college, you're away from your parents, the people that seem to most hold up your identity are the progressive left. And they are, in fact, the people that are quickest to defend you from the genuine uh, anti-Muslim bigotry that does exist in corners. Mm. Of the, they're, they're the first people to defend you. And then the moment you get to feminism or, or homophobia, they're saying the exact opposite of everything you heard in the home. Mm. Um, and so that's a. I think that's something that people really negotiate with. Um, it's it's kind of you know. I don't know if you watch the show Rami on no. Hulu. Oh, you got to watch it if if you're really? interested in this because it's it's an Egyptian. It's a it's it's by it's a semi autobiographical show about this guy Rami, which is his real name, who has Egyptian-born parents that are. You know in many ways typical of, of that culture but he's born in new jersey and he speaks arabic and is always flirting with you know being devout but also like partying and like mm-hmm. dating and like he's really stuck in between and i think there's a lot of people like that
0: um do you think like there's a the progressive you know um communities do you think they have a higher level of tolerance for what they call problematic beliefs in the Muslim community that they would have from anyone else. Like, it seems like when it comes to non-Muslims, if we just step out of line a little bit, like just say something that seems a little bit misogynic or racist or transphobic or homophobic, even if it's not, they're like, this is, like, they call it out, like, uh, right away. But if it comes from their, because the Muslim community seems to be Um, uniting with them or uh, using them, they seem to be having a much higher level of tolerance for narratives that is outright, like, you know, obviously racist or homophobic um, or other forms. Like, do do you see that double standard within the
1: progressive community? Oh, definitely. I I think the, the way that many on the progressive left think is there's, you know, at the bedrock of their worldview is a moral ranking system
0: Mm.
1: with white, you know, straight white men at the bottom, a few different dimensions, gender, sex, sorry, well, those are sort of the same, but um, gender, race, et cetera. Well, you could get in trouble for saying they're the same gender. That's true. true. (laughs) I I do think they're kind of different, but that's a separate conversation. But um, Yeah. You know, yes. that that's at the bedrock of their worldview, the, the oppression Olympics, you know, thing. Mm. And everything after that is secondary. So so if a white person says something racist, there's a totally different emotional valence that a person uh, in the social justice left feels versus if, say, a Muslim says something racist about a black person, if, if they say the identical thing. Ah, uh, because that person is a victim, someone of higher status, someone with more identity cards to play, someone who is a victim in this ideology, hmm. they're just given a little bit more leeway to do and say different things. I, I think you could probably also say the same with regards to like how much misogyny there is in rap music. Hmm. For the most part, people on the progressive left, they're still at the end of the day, they're still going to the little baby concert. And they don't really care if he says bitch a lot. Whereas if it was an indie rock band, a white indie rock band, and they were up there saying bitch and hoe and this, that, and the third, they would get canceled tomorrow. They would be the band that you're an asshole for listening to. So I I think it works in every possible way. Um, Right.
0: Uh, So. Do you, um, when you mention like the intersectionality and identity politics, do you think that is completely useless? Like, is that, are you completely against that as a tool? Doesn't it make sense sometimes to use that to fight against discrimination? The, the example I give, for example, is that Im- imagine like, imagine like if you're in Nazi Germany and somebody knocks at your door and you open the door and the person is like, I'm I'm a Jew and they're after me. Can you please hide me in your basement somewhere? Like imagine if your response to that were like, I don't care you're a Jew. Why why are you telling me that? Like why are you paying identity politics with me? I see everybody as equal. <laughs> right? I, <laughs> right. So I mean the, the the point is that if other people have made your like maybe you don't think your identity matters. Uh, like your identity matters, but the fact that your race or your gender or your sex is a big part of your identity—maybe you don't think that—but given that other people have made that a big part of your identity, um, they they put a target on your back based on that. Uh, then, then you know, you have to make it a big deal, even if it's if even if you don't want to.
1: So, I I reject that reasoning. I think okay. if someone else makes an aspect of you a big deal, it doesn't imply that you have to make it a big deal. Um, it doesn't imply that you have to build all of your politics around it. Um, like, w- would that logic run through if we were talking about some other part of you? Like, I'm pretty short. If if someone was, if people, well, frankly, this is actually true. Like, people do... Mm react to people's heights very differently. If you're a six foot five dude, you're walking through life, you know, getting a completely different set of reactions, both from women and men than if you're a five foot five dude, Mm. right? So in that sense, it really matters, like your life would be appreciably different, if you were a different height. But that doesn't mean that I should have develop a whole height consciousness, and think of myself as like, think of my shortness or tallness as a very important part of my you know, identity and my politics, it's a non sequitur in my opinion. But you okay.
0: if you were like part of a rescue operation for, uh, for trying to get people out of an ISIS territory, right? And you're in a helicopter and your helicopter is close to full capacity of people trying to get people out of there, right? And you just only have one more spot. One more spot in your helicopter, and people are rushing to your helicopter. They're trying to get out of this ISIS territory, and there's people trying to get on. You have one spot, and there's you, your choices between grabbing the hand of this Yazidi woman or the Sunni man. Okay, and you know, you know that a Sunni man could probably survive under ISIS territory, like more not more likely to be able to just act. Just behave like, just put your head down, do what you need to do, so you don't get killed. But this Yazidi woman is probably going to have a lot harder time surviving in an under, ter- under an ISIS territory than this Sunni man. Aren't you going to grab the hand of the Yazidi woman? To, uh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Okay. And, and you know, it's it's a variation of the the, the Jew Jew and Nazi example you just gave. So, the the I feel like you're making my point for me because. You're, you're demonstrating just how crazy and dire and unusual and deadly the circumstances have to be for identity to really matter. Hmm. Like you hmm. have to create a thought experiment where someone is literally on the verge of death or you have one thing left or it's a, it's a philosophical triage experiment, which is so unlike everyday life.
0: Okay, so let's talk about everyday life. You also, you yourself mentioned that we could do studies that show like, okay, if in you know, if you go to real estate agents and you have black and white and there's there's some, there seems to be, your study shows that there's a discrimination against black people based on that study, then you said there needs to be a penalty for that, right? So, is, wouldn't that penalty by itself be identity politics?
1: No, no, why?
0: Because you're adjusting for people, you know, you're taking... Uh, Yeah, I just like the fact that we have here's the thing. Don't you think it's a good thing that we have protected groups in United States based on law?
1: So so This gets into a semantic um, Sort of thing about what 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 the hell the the phrase identity politics means Mm. So just if we just forget that we ever heard that term just so we're not getting confused by it What what is the proper response? To to for example, seeing a study that shows, you know, like uh, I'm just thinking of the most recent one I've seen, you know, a white person has an eighty percent chance of getting a response from a college professor, a black person has, uh, a black person or an Asian person has a sixty percent chance. That's like roughly, you know, similar to a study that I saw reported in the Times. Um, The proper response to that is not to say, well, because of the, those 20% of professors that saw my name Tyrone and didn't respond where they would have responded to Timmy, because of that, now it's going to become really important to me that my skin is this color. And I'm going to build my whole worldview and politics around the idea that people, only people with this skin color can really understand my experience um, fundamentally there are things that can't be communicated things that are we have different ways of knowing and you know th- this whole set of ideas that divides people into different you know ap- uh, like epistemological categories mm. that there's nothing there's nothing about the mere fact that racial bias exists that implies that we have to do that or that that even helps counter it it's a t- It's a different project entirely. So opposing racism is not synonymous with what I'm thinking of as identity politics in this conversation.
0: Do you think it's a good idea that we have protected classes in the United States like identify some identities as a protected class?
1: Um, so you're, you're, what are you talking about exactly? Are you talking about that we, you can't discriminate on the basis of, for example, race, gender,
0: yeah, but like, or are you
1: talking about naming specific groups? Yeah, naming
0: naming like say, like for example, men are not a protected class. Women are right. Uh, straight people are not a protected uh, class. Uh, gay people, uh, LGBT community are uh, cis people are and trans people are. Um, is that not a good? Is that not something that has been benefiting the fact that you identify some people as? common targets and to, to put them in categories where um, laws and regulations are passed specifically for protecting those groups rather than just passing it a
1: blanket law
0: um, that just penalizes based on
1: anything? That's a good question. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I'm curious what you think before I say. Oh, I don't know.
0: I don't know if it's a good idea or not. I'm 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 happy to be convinced either
1: way. Um, I, I I'm I'm fairly sure that you can sue someone through the EEOC if if you feel discriminated against as a man, right, or as a straight person. I think you can still bring bring a civil rights lawsuit.
0: Mm. And that's so, a good thing.
1: Yeah, I think you. Sh- yeah, absolutely. I think you should be able to. I-, I can't imagine a society where there was, there was not a an official channel where you could press, you-, you could, you know, bring a lawsuit against your employer for discriminating against you. There has to be some way of of doing that through the mm-hmm. normal legal channels, and there is in in America. Of course, then you get the problem of like too many lawsuits and suing people for bullshit, but I think that's a trade-off we have to take in order to fight discrimination.
0: Right. Uh, so I just um, want to mention one thing um, else before uh, we stop this. Um, I, to- I, men- I, to- I told you about how common racism is uh, in Iran, right? But, mm. you know, Iran by itself, I don't know if you know this, Iran itself, the word means the land of Aryans. Mm. Uh, and this idea that Aryans are a superior race is um, you know is common belief in Iran right um, it's there's songs about it that is um, completely normal uh, a national uh, I recently just uh, there was a national TV in Iran one of the question was what what's the most superior race? And, you know, on a, on a game show, and the person said, of course, the Aryan race, and everybody clapped. And this was, like, broadcasted on national TV, and nobody even thought that this would be controversial for broadcasting, right? Mm. And the, the host of the show like, of course, of course, the Aryan race, right? You
1: have um, to send that to me. Please send that to me.
0: I will, <laughs> I will send that to you. Um, so and my... my um, but I think that this is not just Iran. Obviously, this seems to be most of the planet, um, and, and I think like what I, I think most Americans do not understand how big of a de- how significant how big of a deal racism is um, around the world, and how how good they have it in the United States. And every time you mention that, some people some people are going to say like, well, yeah, but we still have a problem here. Yeah, we're not denying that. You need to self you know, there's a lot more progress to be made. But the, if I, I was wondering, if, maybe if people knew how bad it is on the rest of the planet, then they would have appreciate the progress that you have made in the United States so far. And the, the reason why I think that appreciation is important is if you do not appreciate the progress you've made, you do not see why you have made that progress. Because surely, any progress that you want to make in the future has to be based on what has worked in the past. And if you don't even know that you have made a lot of progress in the past, how could you learn from the progress that you have made in the past?
1: I completely agree. I think um, with both parts of your your statement about progress and about people's ignorance about the nor- the normalcy of racism and racial supremacy in most places around the world. Uh, it, it's hard to find another population besides um, European Western Europeans and offshoot European societies like America and Australia and Canada, mm. where a, a whole ra- race of people is very concerned about being racist towards others. Mm. That's... Certainly, throughout history, that that's an anomaly. But even today, it's, it's, if not totally unique, then uncommon around the world. And I am I, I was told by um, I'm sure you know uh, Faisal Faisal uh, Al yeah. Sayed Sayed Al Mutar. I always get them.
0: Yeah.
1: Faisal told me, and you you can probably confirm this that the today the colloquial word for black person in Arabic is Abid which yep. actually means slave still. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. Actually, can you hear that beeping now? Should I turn it off okay. or Okay, let me tu- let me just turn it off really quickly sure. beeping. Sorry about that. Actually, let me tell you an in- uh, another story. When we were in school in Iran, one story that I heard a couple of times was about Bilal. Bilal was the first, um, at least the most famous, early black Muslim um, who converted to Islam during the time of Muhammad, and he was a slave, and he used to sing the azan uh, azan is the call to prayer, um, and his voice is very, very beautiful, and um, and one thing we hear in school, school is that uh, that Bilal's voice of um, when he sang the azan was so beautiful, and he was such a good person, such a great Muslim. There's so many, and as part of his reward for being such a, a, an an early Muslim and being a close companion to Muhammad, uh, is that when he dies and he goes to heaven, uh, his skin will turn white, right? And we we were told this in school. And the the thing is not the problem is not that just that this is a story that that is obviously like horrifying to, for, for people to think that's a great reward. The thing is that nobody, not no me or anybody else in the class ever even thought that this is a problem. Like we all like, oh wow, that's what a beautiful story. Like there's not a single, I can't remember a single person ever imagining like what the thinking to themselves, what the fuck, why would that be a reward? Like we all accepted that this is a beautiful story. Um, to be fair to Iran, I- in the past decade, there are some pushback against this way of thinking, right? Like I remember, like a decade ago, the, o- the only change that we have made is that we went from zero pushback against it to some tiny pushback against it by some people, right? Like it's still very common belief. Um, racism is still very common. But now, like I'm, I also want to, because I know some people are going to watch this and be like, "Oh, Armin, this is so unfair to Iran." Like, haven't you heard about these people who are pushing back against this? Like, yes, yes, there are some people that are pushing back against it, um, which is some progress. But I but... can't
1: imagine their best-selling authors like they are here. Another no, no... book stay stay on the <laughs> New York Times bestseller list for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, or the equivalent of the bestsellers list in Iran. I can't imagine. No. <laughs> that shows you the difference. That shows you the difference. But isn't that a better problem to have? Absolutely. Mm. Again, if your point is that we're doing marginally better than, than the Middle East, then it's a point that's well taken.
0: Right. Well, more than marginally, right? A lot. Yes. Like, yes.
1: yes. Okay. It's 100% a better, better problem to have than to have a problem with widespread racial supremacy being the norm, no doubt.
0: Right. And it's also a, pr- a better problem to have that people are holding the government accountable um, but they're not quite right about what they should hold their government accountable to. Um, and maybe they don't have the data right um, and they don't they're not offering good solutions. That's also a better problem than countries that you don't even have a chance to hold the government accountable to anything or, or that you think that, your country's leaders like everybody just worships their leader or has to worship or wants to worship um there's cults of personality and people and in some countries by force but also in some other countries um it's just the the the, the leader is seen kind of like a god that you worship and there's no way that he he, or, he could do wrong um i mean these are i would be more scared of a of a government that you can't question or people don't want to question than a country that people are questioning everything but they're not offering the good solutions to how to solve the problem, right? That's also another.
1: Yeah, although I think you you might be making America seem or leaving out a couple other problems that we that we have, you know, namely First of all, there is a pretty large chunk of the country that does view our leader like a god. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't know how big it is. Maybe yes. it's thirty percent. Though okay. I mean, if it's even twenty percent, that's that's you know that's a problem. So right. it's like a mini, you know, a, a mini leader worship nation within a larger nation. Right. Um, and then you have a faction on the left that responds to that by not simply criticizing the government, but you know, taking any reasonable solution and just Almost purposely going much further than it. Um, like what, whatever this the the smart evidence based solution is, in principle, the progressive left will go past it. That's that's not a bug. That's the point.
0: Isn't thats it, is it fair to say the progressive left is? Are we? Isn't it more of a fringe element within the progressive left? That's what I things? mean when I say yeah. that.
1: I mean not not not. You know, there's a liberal left and then and then and, and then a progressive left. As i see it obama well, was for, for the large part especially in the beginning like liberal left well i mean
0: maybe Joe we po- kind of right i mean saying. within the maybe we should tell them the regressive left because i think even some people that are i don't know if it's fair to people that consider themselves progressive to lump them in with all these regressives or maybe that we call them the uh, you know I don't know, maybe it's, you know, just, just just in the same way that, you know, some people seem to use uh, the words alt-right and right-wing interchangeably, <laughs> uh, and I think that's not fair. Um, maybe we, like, we should also be careful with using, you know, the woke cult and the progressive left. Maybe we should be careful not to use those interchangeably as well. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's hard um, to know
1: exactly what terminology I should use, but yeah,
0: yeah, I don't mean to, I don't mean to language police you. I just, no, I just no, no. feel, I think you yeah. make a good point. Okay, okay, so um, I know you're getting very, like last thing, I know you're getting very, very popular, and I can't even um, it's I, I, I didn't even think that it would be possible to get you right now, uh, so I, and I know that um, you have a lot bigger people to deal with than us, so it's great, like so I really appreciate the fact that you did make the time for us, and given that you, you probably are going to become unreachable very soon, I wanted to get you on record to see if you will still keep us in mind if you ever want to discuss these topics, or if you ever want to discuss in other topics like religion or Islam. Um, like, would you keep like um anytime I just wanna... Anytime, Yeah. Really? I'm not okay. Not going
1: become unreachable.
0: <laughs> okay. Thank
1: you. Not for you.
0: Ah, that's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, great. I'm going to stop this right here. Um, again, guys, make sure you check in the description, not that you need any of my promotion, but I'm going to link to your channel on YouTube and subscribe to uh, Coleman's channel. It's it's really like every single, every time I see a new video, I just drop everything. I just, uh, because <laughs> I, I, it needs to be consumed. Thanks. But check it out. Okay. I'm going to stop recording one second.